Charles Spurgeon uh, is considered by many people uh, to be one of the greatest, what a, what a transition, huh, from Grace Food to Charles Spurgeon. So let's start over. Charles Spurgeon, get this, is uh, considered by many people, you know, to be one of the greatest preachers uh, who ever lived. And uh, born in 1834, Spurgeon later went on to pastor the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. And so popular in his day, it wasn't uncommon for Spurgeon's preaching uh, to draw crowds of 10,000 people uh, on a Sunday morning. Um, Charles Spurgeon was known for his preaching voice. He kind of had one of those stick stereotypical project, you know, maybe you'd see him on TV if it were today, sort of voices. Uh, and think about it, I mean, before microphones, I mean, you'd need a voice like that. You'd need a pretty incredible voice and the ability to project that voice in, in, in order to speak to such, such a large crowd. But more than his voice and more than his presentation, uh, Spurgeon was also a prolific writer of sermons. And in one of those sermons, he, he made the following statement. And just, just track here with me for a moment, if you would. Here's what he said. He said, Give yourself, talking to people like you and me, he said, give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. He said, if I had never joined a church till I found one that was perfect, I would have never joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I would have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I became a member of it. I think we could all agree with this, right? I mean, if you've been around, if you've visited different churches, if you've moved to different communities, you've been in different places, you've experienced people, you know that the church isn't perfect. That's what he's getting at. But listen to what he says, and this is really the key for what we're talking about today. He says, still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. All who have first given themselves to the Lord should as speedily as possible also give themselves to the Lord's people. How else is there to be a church on the earth? If it is right for anyone to refrain from membership in the church, it is right for everyone, and then the testimony for God would be lost to the world. Hey, as we've been uh, discussing here at Genesis for the past few weeks, the heart of Christianity as that through Jesus Christ, you and I, that we can have a relationship with God, our Father in heaven. Uh, and that our Father, uh, He initiated that relationship with you and me uh, when He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. I mean, Jesus came to the earth, and if you follow the Gospels, if you look at the stories, you'll see that over and over again, He extended this invitation uh, to His disciples with those words, follow me, and He does the same for you and me today. I mean, that hasn't changed for today. I mean, Jesus invites us into a relationship with Him, and with that invitation, He's inviting us into a new way of life and living. And as important and as central as that relationship is, and that's what we've been talking about these past few weeks, Christianity is more than our time spent with our Savior. It's more than your time spent with Him following Jesus is also about sharing in community with other Christ followers. It's about living in relationship with each other. I mean, that's what we call the church. And just as God initiated a relationship with us, we also find as we study the scriptures that he initiated, he started the church. It's his plan. It's his plan for the world. You know, the very first time that we see the word church mentioned in the Bible is by Jesus, and uh, his fame was growing rapidly, and one day he sat down with his disciples, and he just asked them, he asked them a question. He said, hey, who do people say that I am? What are people saying about me? What's the popular opinion? And uh, they responded basically by saying, well, most people think that you're a prophet, and then Jesus asked, okay, but what about you? 
who do you say that I am? Well, Peter jumped in right away as he typically did. He jumped in with an answer and he responded, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And how did Jesus respond? He said, you're right, Peter. And then listen to what he said. He says, and on this truth, I will build my church. See, Jesus, God's son, promised to build his church. And he has. And ever since, and for the last 2,000 years, Jesus has been building his church, one person, one salvation at a time, all over the world, and he's still doing it today, including right here with Genesis Church. You see, if you call yourself a part of Genesis Church, you're already a part of something so much bigger than you might realize. I mean, we are a part of something that Jesus initiated 2,000 years ago. We're a part of his church. And as a follower of Jesus, it's not only about then what you accomplish on your own, but it's about what we accomplish in this world together as his church and with other churches centered in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, with that in mind, you can see why it's always a little concerning to me when I hear someone say something like, well, I believe in in God and in Jesus, but I don't go to church. Or I'm not really into organized religion. Or I like Jesus, but I just really don't like his people. And I get that, right? I mean, I understand that. I mean, I hear some of the pain and frustration and disappointment in statements like these. And and I could take some guesses at where these types of sentiments come from. And, well, if any of you have ever had a negative experience in a church or have ever held an opinion like that, well, then I guess it's just like what Spurgeon said, that you have found the church not perfect, right? And whatever the cause and whatever the reasons, the unfortunate thing is that somewhere along the way, you know, somewhere between what Jesus said and today, we've decided, people have decided that the church is secondary, like it's optional or it's non-essential for Christians. Uh, David Platt has a really strong opinion about this. He's a pastor, and he wrote this book, Follow Me, that uh, some of you have read, our, our staff has read, our elders have been reading together, and listen to what he says, and it's in your notes Uh, at the top of your note page. Here's what he says. He says, it is biblically impossible to follow Christ apart from joining his church. In fact, anyone who claims to be a Christian yet is not an active member of a church may not actually be a follower of Christ at all. Would you agree? Maybe disagree? I mean, mean, a statement like that, depending on what direction you're coming at from, it, it, it can sting a little. But try and hear the completeness of the statement. He's not saying that church services make you a Christian. Uh, Just like being in a garage doesn't make you a car, all right? But what he is saying, and what I hope you'll see from Scripture, is that the church, and that includes this church, is an essential piece or part in your relationship with Jesus Christ. The church is an important tool that God uses to carry out His will on the earth, and it is dearly loved by God. And like Platt, i got to tell you that I believe that it's impossible to follow Jesus apart from His church. Uh, There's a pastor, Bill Hybels, that frequently makes the statement, he's kind of credited with the statement that the local church is the hope of the world, and, and I believe that. I mean, I believe that's true. I believe that if the world is going to become a better place, a more loving, uh, a safer, cleaner place, it's it's not going to happen as a result of any government or any political party. uh, Lasting change in this world is not going to result from any sort of shared goodwill, you know, amongst the people of this earth. I mean, the only thing that's going to radically change this world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And it is the good news of Jesus and his love that is carried out by his people, people like you and me, and by his church, churches like Genesis. I mean, that news and that life change is going to make all of the difference in this world. And so Charles Spurgeon says the church, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth. And to be real, and I know that maybe for some of you, you have a hard time believing that. Again, and you might have a hard time believing a statement like that. You might have a hard time because of your history uh, in a previous church or maybe even in a church like Genesis, maybe this church. Uh, Maybe somewhere along the way, you know, you were caught off guard and got caught up in a mess or a struggle or somebody let you down. I mean, really, though? I mean, should we be surprised? Should you be surprised? I mean, if the church is made up of people and people aren't perfect, we're going to have those sort of disappointments and letdowns. And, and I probably just better forewarn you, if you are new to Genesis or you're just coming to Genesis and we haven't disappointed you yet, there's a chance that somewhere along the way you'll be disappointed. We're not perfect. Why do others have a hard time? I mean, maybe for some of you, you have a hard time just based simply because of life circumstances and have a hard time seeing the church and the possibilities of the church and and everything that maybe others say positively about the church just based on your own experiences when it comes to your marriage or financial situation or uh, you know, maybe a health scare or something. And you just you look at those circumstances and you think, well, if, if this can't be good, then you know, how could something like this be good? And so I just think we, we all see that some of our opinions of God and even of church come out of our circumstances uh, in life. I <clears throat> was invited this past week uh, to come and, and speak to on a panel uh, for college students about the importance uh, of belonging to a church. And, and as these students, as they face graduation and as they face the possibilities of moving off to a new community for a new job, I challenge them to make it a priority in their life to spend time looking for and getting involved uh, in a church because it, it, is, it has just been my experience in ministry that people who give their lives to a church and find community with other Christians, just they do better. And I've seen this in college students. I've seen this in young adults. I've seen the effects, the negative effects of non-participation in people's lives. I mean, people that have been out have been trying to do it all on their own apart from the church. And they'll, then when they finally find their way back to the church, it's a relief. But there's also the regrets of wishing I would have come back sooner or I would have found this place sooner because then maybe my marriage would be different or maybe my kids would be moving in a different direction or just that life in general, well, maybe there'd just be some greater understanding, a different outlook. Um, I had coffee with a guy this past week, and uh, he and his wife have been at Genesis Church a lot longer than I have, almost since the beginning, and it was just so encouraging for me uh, to listen to his story of how he was baptized through Genesis and how his faith has just grown over the years and what's God doing in his life now and what God's doing in his marriage, and he can't imagine where he'd be in his relationship with Jesus Christ today without you, without the people and the ministry of this church. You see, for so many people, myself included, I've seen and experienced how the church is the dearest place on earth. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to do me a favor. And I want to just ask you today to put aside your history, uh, to put aside your circumstances. And what I want to do for you is I want to just paint for you a picture, a, a God's dream and vision for the church. And what I hope you'll see, what I hope you'll see in this picture and in what we talk about today is that, you know what, I want to be a part of a church like that. Like I want to give myself you know, through my relationship with the Lord to a church like that, realizing it's not going to be perfect, but I want to be a part of something 
like that. And so uh, at first I want to look at, at a passage right out of Acts chapter 2. And you've seen this before. And if you've been around the church, you maybe even get tired of this verse or these verses. But it's there on purpose, all right? We're supposed to see this as the very first church, the very first community coming together after the resurrection. Let's pick it up in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I want you to just see some of the characteristics and the actions in this church. Verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves, the people of this church, this first community, says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That means that they weren't just searching for knowledge. They weren't just looking to pump themselves up on with as much Bible as they could but it was about application. Like, what is it that we're learning and how am I applying this to my life? How is it changing me tomorrow? That was all the difference. It says they devoted themselves to fellowship, meaning they spent a lot of time together. They did a lot of time together. They enjoyed a lot of food together. There were a lot of potlucks and nachos and chili and sandwiches and all these good things. And, and to the breaking of bread and prayer, meaning they went seeking the Lord's help for wisdom and for direction and for provision and for protection. Man, these were dangerous times to be a Christian, and so they prayed for boldness, and they prayed for courage to share their faith. Verse 43, it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs. You know, we might look at a verse like this or words like this and say, okay, where are those wonders and signs today? How come we don't see these anymore? I, I sometimes wonder if we're just too smart to see them, or we think we're too smart or too intelligent. Do we still see these wonders and signs today? Yeah, we baptized 19 last week, you know? It's life change. It's salvation. It's people passing from death to life. And just one example of that, you know, it says these wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. You know, we talked about this just a few weeks back in our series, The Secret to Being Rich. And we talked about how the early church was known for its generosity. Uh, the early church was known for its giving and the people they tithed. And, and they gave these resources to help build up the church and to advance the mission of the church. And they made themselves available and they gave Gave things like food so that others would not go without. And here's the result. Okay, Scripture says that the people of this church, look at verse 46. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, meaning it became a part of their life. It was a habit. It was their practice. It says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, here's what happened. The people around them, the people on the outside of the church kept looking in and wondering, wow, like what's this about? I mean, what is this? What it, where does all this life change come from? Where does this new motivation and this purpose come from? And they couldn't help but wonder, you know, what's this about? Tell me more. There has to be more. And the Bible says that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, I got to stop there and I got to ask myself, are we having, is Genesis Church having this same sort of influence today? Or just the impression of any church in general? I mean, ask your friends. Ask your friends that are standing on the outside looking in. Ask them of their impression of the church. Unfortunately, I know there's been so much hatred and disruption spewed in the name of Jesus that most people don't look to the church today as very loving or very inviting or very generous. But let me ask you this, when you read Acts 2 and when you see this picture, doesn't that sound like a church you want to be a part of? Yeah, me too. I mean, that's what I see. I mean, wouldn't you want to be a part of a church like that? And, 
And I know that this Acts 2 church wasn't perfect. Keep reading in Acts and you'll see that this church wasn't perfect. And I promise you that. But what we see happening here and all throughout the book of Acts, it can happen again too. We can have this same sort of influence as well. It could happen. It is happening through Genesis Church. But can I tell you something? For this to happen, for Genesis to have this same sort of influence like we see here in Acts 2, it will take every person. That's you and me. It'll take every single one of us. Because if you claim to follow Jesus Christ and just sit on the sidelines and hope that others will do the work, I got to remind you, I got to tell you that you can't wholeheartedly follow Jesus apart from his church. You can't do that. You have to be in the game. Like you got to get in on the action. You need to be a part of it. And uh, why be a part of it? Let me just look at a few reasons with you why I think the church is the dearest place on earth. It's in your notes. The first thing is this, the church is inclusive. We see that the church is inclusive. It means that anyone can come. Anyone can come. That's God's desire. That's God's dream for our church. Now, where else? Think about it. Where else in our society uh, would you see a CEO serving shoulder to shoulder with someone who uh, maybe uses their hands for a living or as a landscaper or something by trade? Where, where else in our society do you find college students and young adults uh, sharing and learning from those that are nearing retirement? Uh, where else in the universe would the homecoming queen and the president of the chess club end up in the same connection group together, right? I mean, it doesn't happen in high school. You know, it's, it's the church. The church is inclusive. The church is for everyone. Look what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, uh, verses 27 and 28. He says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. He says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female and female for you are are all what? One in Christ Jesus. Paul says anyone can come. The Apostle Paul explains that it doesn't matter who you are. In God's eyes, Scripture tells us that we all receive the same reward in Jesus Christ. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That means that when you trust Jesus Christ when your life, with your life, when you submit to His Lordship, uh, you are adopted into His family, and we are all the same. Everyone can come. Hey, all right, thanks. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. All right, we'll give that to the Lord. All right, when, when, you know, when, when I think about this, when I look back and, and I think about the people that have had the greatest impact in my life over the years, I, I discover that it's people I've met uh, through my church family, you know, beginning as a kid. And that's so encouraging to me, especially when I think about, um, I don't know if you realize this or not, but the 25 third through fifth graders from Genesis that spent time at the Superstart uh, conference this past weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, and I know we had some adults that helped out in that as well. Uh, My wife attended with them, and last night she was explaining to me with tears of what it was like to like, to, to watch not only my kid, but your kids worshiping together with 2,000 other third through fifth graders and to see what's happening in their lives. And, and the great thing is this, is that these kids are from Genesis Church, and they're, they're not just the future of Genesis, but they are Genesis. Like they are the church right now, and what they're experiencing, even in this early age together, well, it's going to make them stronger. Because, see, the beautiful thing about the church is the church is inclusive and that anyone and everyone can come. You know, when I think about my closest relationships today, the people I turn to for help and encouragement, it's many of you. And my hope 
And my prayer for everyone is that you would be able to discover that support and that encouragement in a church or through a church like Genesis. And if not here, and if the Lord leads you somewhere else, that you would find that in another Christ-centered community too. Why is the church the dearest place? Because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past is or what anyone has ever said about you. We are one in Christ Jesus. The church is inclusive. It means that anyone and everyone can come. Here's another reason why I think the church is the dearest place. The church is additive. The church is additive, and here's what I mean by that. Every believer adds to the church. Every person, everyone, each one of you has something you add and you contribute to this church, something that you bring to the table uh, that no one else can bring. Paul writes it like this in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 17, actually, so just follow along with me. He says that he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. He's talking about Jesus. And then, for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. You can see how even in that same language, he says again, anyone and everyone can come and hear and respond. Verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Now, listen to what he does next and how he describes what God's, God does with his people through the church. And, and I want you to just pay attention to the imagery. He continues, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in him the whole building is joined together. Paul says here that as followers of Jesus, we are being assembled together like a building, that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He's the most important stone in the structure, and as Christians, we are all like the bricks, assembled and positioned together around the cornerstone. And then Paul continues and rises, we rise, the church rises to become And in that tense, we realize that we are still becoming, the work is not finished yet, that church is still growing, that Genesis is still growing, that people are still coming, a holy temple in the Lord, and in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Can you see? Can you see how in Paul's imagery, he shows us that we are all being joined together around Him, around Jesus Christ, and that each brick is important. Every brick, every person makes the wall stronger. Take one away and the structure or the wall weakens. Now think about this for Genesis Church. You know, sometimes I'll have people come up to me and ask me, you know, how, uh, how Paul, do I join Genesis Church? I mean, what do I need to go through in order to join this church? And um, well, we don't have an official membership process uh, here at Genesis. We, we never have. And so when someone comes up to me and asks, okay, I'm in, um, I want to be a part of Genesis, what do I need to do? Well, sometimes I'll reply, if I know them very well, um, prove it. You prove it. And we always point to uh, what we call the three C's. And for us and for you, the three C's provide a pathway of sorts uh, in what it means to demonstrate that Genesis is your church, your family, your community. But interestingly enough, the three C's also provide for us a pathway, for you and me, a pathway in our own spiritual growth. Let me hit a few of these uh, just real quickly. Uh, We talk about what it means to celebrate. The first C is celebrate. And uh, in a very practical sense, this is what we do every Sunday when we come together for worship. Uh, we celebrate together in worship. And if you're not here, you're missed. 
Uh, when, when you're not able to attend, you know, the wall's a little weaker. I mean, we're a little weaker when someone is missing. Now, I don't say that to guilt you uh, because we know that things come up and it snows and there are vacations and kids' sporting events and all of these things, um, but also know that worship is so much more than Sundays. I mean, ultimately, when we're talking about and celebrating at its very best, it's how we live our lives for God seven days a week. But one of the most important things that we do together as a church is when we come together in worship, when we celebrate together. And I believe that it's important for you and for me and for others. Uh, It's why we offer three services here every single Sunday. Uh, And honestly, it's why, it's it's a part of the reason why we started our Sunday night service. In fact, I want to just take a minute, you know, just to say as we get into these warmer seasons now and as soccer starts and as baseball starts and, you know, you're traveling through the weekend, I hope that you will consider and in your mind remember that, hey, we have a Sunday night service now that part of our planning in the Sunday night service was, again, just to provide another place for families to think about what it means to make sure that worship, that celebrating, is a priority uh, in my family. And so celebrating is a part of what it means to call, to demonstrate that Genesis is your church, and it's good for us to come together, to worship together. The second C is uh, connect. And connect is about being known. Uh, it's about uh, being intentional uh, in your relationships and your re- efforts to get in relationship with others. And, and if you're a kid, it's Gen Kids. Uh, if you're in middle school or high school, it's GSM. If you're an adult, I mean, most of the time we point to connection groups. Uh, and if you're a part of a group here at Genesis, you might think that it's only good for you or that you're the only one benefiting, but trust me, it's good for everyone. It's a good for everyone when you make that effort to get involved. We're stronger as individuals and as a church uh, because of our relationships. I, I meet with a group of men uh, every Wednesday morning. We've been doing this for almost a couple of years now, and I can't tell you how many times this has happened. Like this past Wednesday, we were eating breakfast together uh, at Perkins, and I said to them, hey, looking out the next couple of weeks, spring break is coming up. Uh, why don't we go ahead and take a couple of weeks off? And I was immediately met with this collective groan and sigh, but almost sarcastic in nature at here's Moomaw trying to get a couple of weeks off again from us. And what it shows is that, man, I mean, there's just great things happening in our group and with these men. And as we get to know each other and build relationships that we're looking forward uh, to this time uh, together. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we're always challenging you to think about taking one more step and getting known and knowing others as a family, uh, as an individual right here to find community because we're stronger together. Paul says it like this in Ephesians 3. Uh, let's pick it up in verse 8. He says, although I am less than the least of the Lord's people. Again, he had a story. All right, we'll talk about that another time. He says, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Verse 10, he says, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Those words, manifold wisdom, jump out at me because what he's saying is that through the church, believe it or not, see, God uses the church. He uses His people. He uses you and me to make His wisdom known to the rest of the world, to make His love and grace and kindness, and goodness, and salvation known to the world. See, we're stronger when we're together, and when you don't get in, we're incomplete. The third C is contribute. 
here at Genesis. We talk about what it means to contribute. It's all about making Genesis your church. It just simply means that you've got a part to play, that you've got a contribution to make. See, again, every person is like a brick in the wall, and at Genesis, your unique talents and passions and gifts and financial giving are needed in order for us to realize our full potential as a church. Uh, Paul writes it like this in Romans chapter 12, verse 4. He says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. See, Paul says that if you've got Jesus Christ in you, then you've been equipped with these God-given gifts and passions and abilities. And if Genesis Church is going to bring hope to this world, man, you need to be ready and willing to put those gifts to use. And honestly, i got to tell you, I can't think of a better time for you to get in, to jump in to what's happening here at Genesis Church right now. And whether for you that means serving on one of our ministry teams on a Sunday or through on a team at some point throughout the week, i got to tell you, I want you to know that we need your help. And I won't go as far to say that I believe that our wall is, is weak here by any means, but I will say this, we're not as strong as we could be. We're not as strong as we could be right now because it takes every person. And if you call Genesis your church and if you're not contributing with your time, if you're not contributing with your gifts or with your resources, we're incomplete. We're not as strong as we could be. We're stronger when we're all together working together, when we're all working and giving and contributing together. So we talk about the three C's, celebrate and connect and contribute. And I just want to challenge you to be thinking, how are you doing in each of these? How might you, might ask, how might you ask the Lord to grow you or to take the next step in one of these areas so that you might see that we all have a part to play? And it's about each person working together with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone because we're stronger together. Why is the church the dearest place? because it's inclusive. Anyone and everyone can come. It's additive in that we all have a unique part to play. And finally, the church is expensive. Uh, now, I don't mean that it's expensive to go here, all right? I mean, where else in town can you get free bagels, right? I mean, you know, aren't we the coolest for doing something like that? Did you know, did you know that you can get free Twinkies on Sunday night? I mean, can you tell me a church where you can get a Twinkie? All right, I thought they were out of business, all right? And we, we, we got them. We got them here. I mean, where else can you do that? The church is expensive, but do you know why? <laughs> we get applause for that, Twinkies. Uh, do you know why? Do you know why the church is expensive? It's because Jesus Christ bought the church with his blood. And I think we forget that, you know, as important as it is, that it's more than just me. I mean, that doesn't change. Or more than just you, that doesn't change. But look, look at this, Acts 20, verse 28. Uh, we read, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. And then notice this phrase, which he bought with his own blood. See, Jesus Christ bought the church with his own blood. I mean, he put aside the comforts of heaven, and he came to earth, and he served the Father in heaven. And he was beaten and bruised. And he gave his life for you and me and for this church. I mean, that's why we can say that you can't follow Jesus Christ apart from His church. I mean, He died to give you and me that very privilege. You know, other places the Bible talks about how the church is the precious blood of Christ, purchased with the uh, bride of Christ, purchased with the blood of Jesus, that He gave His life for the church. He established the church. 
And his plan for good news and redemption involves the church and Genesis Church. And, and today I believe, and what I'm praying is that he is going to challenge some of you. He is going to, take, he is going to call some of you to take a greater step into the life of this church. And, and that means that for some of you, maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines. And uh, you've been doing that for a while, while now. And maybe the Lord's going to challenge you to become a greater participant in the life and the family of this church. And, and for you, that might just simply be giving yourself permission. Um, for you, that might be saying, hey, here's what the Lord's doing in my life, and I want to take a greater step at Genesis. And sharing that with a friend is a way of accountability uh, so that they can hold you accountable that you do that. Maybe for you, you just need to say, you know what, worship is a a priority for me. We're going to make it. Or my family, we're going to be there. Maybe it's about jumping out and serving on a team or or giving financially to this church. I'm praying today that God will open up your eyes to see that we are stronger together, that he has something in mind for each of us with this church and with this family. And if we're going to help people find their way back to God and realize our full potential as a church, it's going to take every one of us. See, the church is the dearest place on earth. And it's better when you're in it and when you're contributing and participating in it. And for some of you here today, um, maybe you've been standing a step back, uh, away, afraid to let anyone know you, maybe afraid to expose your weaknesses or your past or who you really are. I want to tell you this morning that our Father knows like, he, he already knows, and he knows that you're not perfect, and he loves you anyways. And if you really want to experience that power and that love and that forgiveness in your life, you can turn to this church, but more importantly, you can turn to Jesus Christ, the one who died to forgive us, to make that way. And we, as a church, we're here to make that love and that forgiveness known to this world. Will you pray with me? You know, for some of you today, that's where you are right now is maybe just kind of standing a step back from this news, this invitation into life and forgiveness and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's where you are today and you're ready to make a move and you really believe that God is working on your heart and he had in mind today for you, I just pray that uh, you would just open up your heart and your life to him right now. Maybe just pray those words, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Change my life, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I want to come under your leadership and your direction for my life today. You can pray that today. And Lord, I pray that you would move. I pray that you would move throughout this room today and at our Carmel campus and that people would come to Christ and come into faith with Jesus Christ and under his forgiveness today as you draw us to you, Lord. Uh, We thank you for your grace and for your forgiveness. I pray that nothing would hold anyone back today, Lord as we come to you, the one who has made a way, the one that paid the price with his blood so that we could have that relationship with you, God. And for others of you today, um, I'm praying for you and just hoping and believing that the Lord is working in your life and maybe going to challenge every single one of us to take a greater step uh, into the life and the family of this church. Would you just open your heart today and just ask the Lord, Lord, show me what's next. Show me what I can do to find a greater part in this family, but maybe more importantly, to grow in my relationship with you. God, we thank you that you have given us the church, the dearest place on earth, 
And we just pray for your continued work and love and power through us as we trust you, as we believe in you, as we keep our eyes focused on you. Thank you for the mission that you've given to us and for how your grace is demonstrated through us, not only in our lives and in this church family, but to the community and the people around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.